Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was her pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. So look out for that moose. It's time for... I never saw that. Hey, Micah. Hi. I I thought that you should have said at the end of that, of the intro... Yeah. Today. Yeah, like how we do a different little tag every yeah, time. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so, so don't overuse your penis. What's you, that now? Yeah, because uh, that was one of the themes of the first episode of Northern Exposure we watched for this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Hi. Welcome to I Never Saw That. We, um, we're back on our Northern Exposure shit. Yeah, we are. But we're now doing three episodes at a time yeah. because we want to get through it. There's quite a few left, and we just kind of want to rush through some of them. We're just ready to be done and with this. after the third episode that we talk about tonight, yeah, um, we might be there done might be anyway. a change coming or that just happened. As always with Northern Exposure, it's hard to tell what the fuck just happened. What did we just watch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It but got, we'll get into that later. It got real wild. It got real wild. Uh, but yeah, uh, overuse of penises. I just want to bring it back to that because that was the imp- that I think is the most important uh you know message that we have to pass on to our listeners today. All right, well I guess that's a podcast. <laughs> we got the message out to you. Message out. Don't overuse it. Don't, don't overuse that thing. Don't overuse your penis. Don't overuse that dong. All right. Well, if you do, you'll have to go to the doctor, you know, and get like antibiotics and shit. Should I go on? talking about this or are you gonna interrupt me with if you if you do you're on your own because i just said the podcast over and well yeah but so, that go was ahead a, i'm clearly a joke because we're like one away. minute in or something okay. so okay so before we get too far into this let's uh do something else it might be kind of a long seeing the funny papers tonight fuck see you in the funny papers see you in the funny papers All right. So I've got a special one for you, Jen. We're on um, October 17th, 1994. That's my brother's birthday. Oh. And my cousin. And they both have the same name. And they were born on the same day of the same year. Isn't that cool? It is. It's It's not really relevant to this, but. It's not, but uh, it's an anecdote that we like. We like to. Talking about you guys. You know, people like to peek behind the curtain, as it were. Mm -hmm. I think you just like to say that. I do, and then Every what I like episodes. to do is is talk about how that reminds me of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds you of it because really it's get... literally a line yeah, from yeah, that, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. a theme. And right, yeah. but I like to get real, you know, di- just dig down, dig in there. Yeah, get real That's meta some with it. Real profound. Yeah. Analysis. Anyway, Thanks. you said this might be long, and already you're this making is it too longer. Long, so okay. So why is it going to be long, Micah? Oh, you'll find out. Um, so we're going to read Foxtrot today. Great. Or actually, I'm going to describe Foxtrot to you. Yeah, of course. Um, we've got four panels today. Um, I'm, I want to apologize. I know that some of our fans are, are Foxtrot fans. I don't know the names of the characters. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is just, you know, we're bringing our regular energy here where (laughs) we don't know anything (laughs) about what we're talking about. (laughs) 
but there's an older brother and a younger brother, you know? Yep. You know him. No, um, I, I don't. No, I don't. The older brother one. He, oh, where's a hat? He always has a hat. Yeah, that's okay, what I was going to say. Okay, I can picture. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that because I was doing the hat no, symbol? Well, no, like, I thought of I it just before you did that. my hand that, in front of my forehead. And I was remembering the art from Foxtrot that I've seen yeah. like more recently. So the older brother has a hat. The younger brother has glasses. And they're the weird like cartoon glasses where there's no eyes behind them. It's just two circles. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to get this out of the way now because it happens in different panels. Okay. When he's looking straight at you, you can see two circles next to each other with lines going up over his ears on the side, right? Like, like glasses. glasses. Uh-huh. When he's looking to the side, mm-hmm. <laughs> the profile, we've got a whole nother Picasso situation going on <laughs> where you see his head from the side. It's real long. And flat on top and squarish. <laughs> his nose is like pointed upward, mm-hmm. and his glasses are behind his nose, fully behind his nose. Behind, fully like directly in like, line. Like his nose. Like his nose is... sticks up between the glasses, except it doesn't because if you're looking from going from left to right, <laughs> there's a little bump for a mouth. Above that, there's a nose pointed straight up. Directly behind that little nose, sure. there's a circle. Yeah. And then another circle uh-huh. on one side of his head. Hey, Micah. With the nose in front of all that. <laughs> Micah. I'm, and then a line going back to the I ear. Have a, I just have a suggestion. Yeah. Can I just see it, please? Absolutely not. Okay. Because okay. Uh, okay. So in the first panel, <laughs> the younger brother is sitting at a desk and he's he's working on something. You know, he's looking down. He's busy. Um, and you see him from the front. So you see the ears. <laughs> okay. Two two eyeglass circles, nose in the middle of them, beneath them. Okay, like normal, like sure. a normal size. Yep. And layout. Of I a got face it, Micah. And everything. Um, the older brother with the hat on is standing above him, and he's eating something. He's got something in his hand that he's and he's kind of chewing, and he says, "What are you doing?" And the younger brother replies, "I heard that the guy who draws the far side is retiring at the end of the year." Oh. You ready for panel two? Yeah. So panel two is a little tighter on the younger brother. He's looking up now at the older brother, and we can't see the older brother. He's just talking, like, off panel, you know, off screen kind of. Uh Uh-huh. And he says, Gary Larson? Yeah, I heard that too. So? And our little weird Picasso sliding glasses around his head... Mm -hmm bizarre person with a mullet um, looks up and says well I figured that just because he's quitting it doesn't mean that the far side has to end I'll just take it over for him I'm putting together a sample batch now and you can see he's got a pencil in his hand and there's a stack of papers next to him all right ready for panel three sure am never been more ready for much of anything we're still tight on the little brother but we can see a hand holding a piece of paper like the little brother handed one to the older brother and he's looking at it now Mm -hmm. He says, think about it. Overnight, your little brother could become one of the world's most widely read cartoonists. I'd be famous. People would be beating a path to our door. Panel four is zoomed out again. We see both brothers. Uh, The one brother's standing, and he's holding the piece of paper in front of him, and his tongue's hanging out. He's reading it, and his tongue is like hanging out of his head. And he replies, with pitchforks and torches, most likely... And now the younger brother has a big smile on his face. His pencil's tucked behind his ear, which has two lenses right next to it on the side of his head. I just want to clarify. And a nose in front of those somehow. Um, 
And he's laughing. He says, hee, 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 if you think that one's gross, dot, dot, dot. But we didn't get to see the fucking drawing? We didn't. It's just devious and gross. That's what we're supposed to get from that. We didn't get to see the fucking drawing. We didn't get to see the fucking drawing. That's fucking stupid. But I think I have a feeling I know why you chose that one. It's interesting that you focus on not getting to see the drawing. Is this a theme in your life? I mean, I you identifying with that for some particular reason. Anyway, but like that would be the joke. That would be the like. It's terrible. I hate it so much. (laughs) Well, the joke more in this one is that the little brother is always doing stuff like that. Like he's a little devious guy, and yeah, it's not. He's got a gross sense of humor. Uh, I think that's the joke. But I think that you did that because of a Far Side comic. So you were reading, you pulled out a Far Side book that we own, and you were yeah, reading because, it with our daughter the other day. Yeah, because I was like, God, our kids don't even know about the Far Side, I don't think, you know? Like, it's not a part of their lives like it was a part of our lives. Like, yeah. they need to know what the Far Side is. They know Calvin and Hobbes, uh, and we still need to read more of that, too. But, like, I was like, you got, you need to know the Far Side. So we were looking through it. and And you found something. I found something, which I posted in our Facebook group. So probably most people listening have already seen this. Yes, they've already seen it, and you've already seen it. And I've already seen it. But I'm going to explain it in detail anyway, (laughs) so buckle up. It's the far side, so it's one panel. This one uh, is labeled in the upper left corner. It just says 1988. So this predates seeing the funny papers. It also predates um, Um, this Foxtrot comic. And I just want to say to Gary Larson's lawyers... um, don't sue us. There's nothing like we don't have any assets. It's not worth it. We'll stop doing C in the funny papers <laughs> if it's really a problem. What? Okay. Let me describe the comic to you again because obviously you don't remember it. No, um, I absolutely remember it. In fact, I was hoping I was going to get to put you through a C in the funny papers and I was going to describe it. But then you showed it to but me. But you beat, it, beat me to it. You can. Do you want to? No. Okay. But I mean, you don't. You also don't need to. Well, without further ado, here we go. Seen, so we've all seen it. There is a room full of people. They're all sitting um, in little folding chairs in rows. Um, we can see five of them. They're not people. Yeah, they're people. Are they? God, you don't even remember was, at all. It's a good thing I'm describing you know it to it's you. It's funny because I'm picturing You're just them. picturing cows. Yeah, I'm picturing them <laughs> as cows in clothes, like smoking cigarettes and drinking no, coffee or whatever. No, that's that's all wrong. Let me That's describe it funny. to you. Okay. Um, we're in a room. We can see a window. Outside the window, there's a tree. There's a um, picture hanging on the wall next to the window. On the other wall, there's a stage built. And there's a bookshelf behind a woman who's standing um, on the stage. And in the foreground, there are five people we can see. Um, they're typical far side people. They have the horn rim glasses from the 50s. Um, See, that's haircuts. what made me think about cows. Um, there is a woman in like a flower print dress. Um, they're all holding, or a couple of them are holding coffees, like coffee mugs. And they're sitting and looking attentively at this woman who's standing on stage holding open a book. And she says, and in the next panel, the <laughs> other cat says, oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> and the whole thing is captioned, cartoon readings. <laughs> Yeah, we all knew. I mean, I knew, we all knew where that was going. I uh, I think, but maybe some people listening are not in our Facebook group and and uh, had not seen that. So I hope that was a surprise for someone. So I've owned that book for a long time um, since and I was you, a kid. Do you think that that? I mean, maybe has subconsciously. You? That's how. Hmm. I, but I, I feel like I came up with this on my own as a brilliant idea. 
Yeah, well, it was a thing that we started doing many, many years ago. Like, you would do this to me. Yeah, like, this yeah. this segment actually came from real Sunday life, mornings, guys. Like reading the paper together. Micah would <laughs> describe the comics to me and insist on describing them to me. <laughs> and I actually did think it was very funny uh, back then. So we decided to record it and put it on the internet for others to enjoy. Anyway. How's that working out? Gary Larson predicted seeing the funny papers, so. I mean, I think that's, uh, it seems a little, like, arrogant of us to say that he predicted this thing that no one knows exists compared to his, you know what I mean? See you in the funny papers soon. Sweet Jesus. Okay. Now let's talk about your favorite thing, three episodes of Northern Exposure. Well, okay, let me sum these up for you. One of these was okay, one of these was a shit pile, and one of these was good, but fucking weird. And now we're going to describe them and not tell you which one we think fits (laughs) those descriptions. We're not, and we're not going to describe these episodes, Micah. We're going to talk briefly about each one. Well, that seems optimistic of you. Um, so episode 13, I did not write down the title, and I don't think you did either. Cause... It's called Horns. Horns. Okay, well, there you go. Episode 13 called Horns. I'm not sure why it's called Horns. It's not called Horny. It should be called Horny. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, anyway, like, so as with every Northern Exposure episode, there are three plot lines going on here. Um, in this case, so the first... The opening scene of this one is that somebody comes up to Joel's tiny little village. Where he's living upriver. Where he's living and tells him that his contract is up. That the ex- He, he it actually was- tells him that the state of Alaska fucked up. And yeah, it was an it- honest, honest mistake, innocent mistake, he says. And they extended his contract for an additional year. And then they said there was some court case somewhere else. Um and the court had said that that was illegal. So he had been working as a doctor for several months, and he hadn't had to be there. He should have gone home a long time ago. Right. So the guy offers him a $1,200 check and yeah, says, sorry is... about that. And Joel's just like, sweet. He takes it. I mean, it was in the 90s, and it was Alaska. I don't know. So I was reading a little bit about Northern Exposure because um, this season has been weird with the new doctor coming in. And Joel going upriver and only being on the episodes a little bit sometimes. Um, Earlier in the run of the show, like after Northern Exposure became a huge hit, Rob Morrow had signed a seven, like, or a six contract, six year contract or something, or a seven year contract for the show initially, getting paid a certain amount each episode. And after a couple of years, I guess, he said, I want more money. You need to double the money you're paying me. And he like kind of sat out and didn't want to. There was uh. there was a contract dispute early on. And so then they wrote in to the show that the state of Alaska had added another year to his contract after the contract disputes. Oh, man, to, like, this episode it, is of. full of meta shit tonight. My God. So they were acknowledging that, I think, because they're halfway through this season and Rob Morrow had left to shoot Quiz Show. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I figured that it had to do with him having other jobs. Um, and so but that's he a bummer about the contract. And yeah. they were like, oh, okay. It turns out we illegally extended your contract, so you can get out now. Well, that sucks. Um, yeah, because the first plot line in this one is basically 
is he going to leave? Is he not going to leave? But he says he's not going to leave. He tells Maggie he's going to stay. And then the other thing that happens with that one is that he has these tapes, these like mixtapes that he made that Shelly took and he tried to get back. And it's really stupid. And nobody cares. But yeah. um, then there is a I was really excited about this storyline because uh, it just seemed so fucking wild to me. And I was really excited that uh, there was an escaped convict concert violinist. Yeah, apparently he had tried to kill Maurice in previous seasons, and then he... I don't I don't know. I, he escaped from this mental institution and shows up back in Sicily. Yeah, yeah, so... And he's they, they are getting reports of violin music and then garbage everywhere because he's rooting through the dumpsters, and so they think he might be back in town. Yeah, and he, like, lives in an abandoned bear cave, and um, but then he comes to town, and he's, like, hanging out, and he doesn't want to leave because he realizes he's lonely and blah, blah, blah. It's really not... And they have a secret concert. Yeah, so in the end, he plays for everybody, and um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, but he yeah, does... Yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere. No, it's weird. it doesn't. It's dumb, and it's... Ed helps no, him out No one cares him. because he's not, like, a regular character. It's, like, I thought it was going to be cool, but... I think he had a big arc in previous seasons, so it was probably a cool callback for some people. But in this one, it was just a tiny little, it didn't feel fleshed out. It just felt like tacked on, kind of. Yeah, it was, yeah, like, who cares? So yeah, the third storyline is, it kind of took over the entire episode. And it's about the fact that there's something in the water. So the Maurice is bottling water that he gets from this aquifer, I guess. And there's something wrong with it. So the water, at first I thought this was going to be a cool plot because the first hint we get about this is that Hayden comes in because his penis hurts because of too much sex. And in the beginning of of the episode, we see a French guy on the phone like crying about how there's something wrong with the water. So Hayden's girlfriend or wife or whoever suddenly wants to have tons of sex. But then there you, you... quickly sort of find out that all the women in town are wanting to bone a bunch and i thought this is hilarious this is good uh but then instead what they did was a super boring played out idea of gender reversal they did but they didn't really lean into it that much it was mostly just the women were horny and were being more assertive they only had a couple times where the men were like yeah, it's okay. Why can't we just work this out? And they're being more like submissive. It did not age well, this but episode. They, yeah, they didn't do... It was... They should have either leaned in way more if they're going to say something ridiculous and not have an explanation at all. Because Dr. Capper's explanation was like, the water's really old. And so it's unstable. Yeah, right. And that makes people... <laughs> we don't know what's in it. Their, their like societally prescribed gender behavior. It's like... It's but it's so mostly bad. just women want to have sex but three times a day. But it's not just that. It's men wanting to talk after sex was a really big one. Yeah, Maurice wants to talk. They all want to talk. And the women are like, Ooh, They just want to have sex. Ooh. Yeah, because men, that's how men are, is they just want to have sex constantly all the time. Like, and they're just to the point chugging where this bottled have, water constantly. Right. Everyone in the episode is chugging the water. So, and trying to get yeah. laid. I mean, and to the point where, like, they're getting penis injuries. Like, it's so stupid. Yeah, there's Eugene comes in because he has a double hamstring pull. And then Hayden later, like, can't feel his legs because they're having too much sex. It's so dumb. I mean, like I said, I thought it was funny at first. uh, But then it wasn't. It was just stupid. Uh, But 
the thing that made this episode extra weird for us is that we watched the last 20 minutes or so from Micah's phone, uh, which he'll explain in a second. But the it everybody had um, demon voices, so it made it super weird. So Northern Exposure isn't available to stream anywhere. I don't know why CBS hasn't put it up on their whatever Paramount or whatever thing they have. But I we got all these on DVDs, and I illegally ripped them, and we're trying to watch them that way. But the DVDs are from the library, so they're all scratched up. So our only option to finish this episode that just ended in the middle was to watch it online on a another like pirated stream. And I think they did like a pitch shift so that it didn't show up on some as like copyrighted material or something. That's the only explanation I can think of because I sped it up and it didn't help. The women's voices were like way deeper, like noticeably deeper, which kind of fit with the theme of the show, but it was really strange. Yeah, it was it was not cool. Moving on to episode 14, The Mommy's Curse. This one is was the wh- how did you describe this one, Jen? Well, I think I said it was a pile of shit, but it it, oh. it was incredibly boring. There was nothing in it that I gave a single shit about. No, that's not true. There was one thing. Uh so you can say quickly what the three plot lines were. Okay. So, I think before I do that, I think Northern Exposure has a weird like pattern of some episodes are weird and supernatural and bizarre. And then every other one, not every other one, but a lot of them are just like normal everyday life episodes of things that happen. And they don't necessarily move the plot forward very much. And they don't have anything interesting in them. And we seem to be enjoying the ones that are weirder. Yeah, I think that's fair. And this one was just... um pretty straightforward there were some interesting things that happened but um so maggie's mom comes to visit um and brings a boyfriend with her Mm -hmm. and gives maggie her trust fund like she's of age now she says now you're of age how old did she have to be i don't know how old she's supposed to be 30 35 i have no idea um so that's one plot line walt comes back to see Ruth oh Ann my God, this after fucking... being out in the snow because he's a trapper, but he's like 70-something. And she offers him a job. She's like, it's time for you to retire. Why don't you come work at the mercantile with me? And so he does, and then they start fighting, and it's bad. Um, and then the other, the third plot line is Holling and Dr. Capra start bonding because Holling's building a boat, and they both start talking. They like, build the boat together. Saying like Robert Service poems. And like hang out together a bunch. Yeah. And so Maurice gets jealous. And then Maurice gets jealous. And turns into a petty little asshole. It's so, it's, uh, I hate this episode. Yeah. Except, uh, well, there are two things I liked about it. One was that you find out that Maggie's mom, okay, wait, let me back up a little bit. The boyfriend she brought with her, whose name I believe was Leonard. Leland. Whatever, Leonard. Uh, it's a more <laughs> normal name. Uh, no, I'm whatever there's no normal name leland uh dies in this episode he dies playing pool he's like bent over and he's just like frozen there it's actually super creepy like they don't realize for a little while that he's yeah. dead because he looks he's like he's just up lining shot. up his shot his eyes are open he looks totally normal yeah and we find out well go ahead 
Yeah, so after he dies, and this is not like a serious relationship. She's like, oh, we're just having a fling. Like, she barely knows anything about him. She doesn't even know, like, where he's from. She has a hard time tracking down his family. But then you find out that Maggie's mom also has a history with her boyfriend's dying. Like, yeah. which is a running theme with Maggie. So Maggie has had five boyfriends die. And we get to hear about three of them and how they died in this episode. So yeah. she says that uh, one froze on a glacier. Froze on a glacier? Yeah. I mean, okay, that's one all she said. One got struck by lightning. Uh-huh. And one was crushed by a satellite. I mean... We should have watched those episodes. What the fuck? Why would, why would they die like that? <laughs> like, in those ways, like, no one dies like that. Uh, but it was funny. Yeah, so I appreciated that. I thought it was funny. And they, you know, they come to this realization that it's not them. Maggie comes to the realization it's not her. It's not her fault. It's men. And men are, what did she say? Men oh, are they, weak. They, they have, have no, no fortitude. fortitude. Yeah, it's great. Love it. Uh, yeah, so that was good. And then uh, the other thing I loved about it was that, uh, as you mentioned, Micah, they were, uh, Holling and Dr. Capra were reciting Robert Service poems. And at the end, they recite part of a poem, which is called The Cremation of Sam McGee. And that poem is super, super special to me, actually, because my grandfather knew that poem by heart and used to recite it all the time. He thought it was important to, like, have a poem memorized that you could recite. And that one is a very um, narrative and really fun to to recite because it rhymes and it's funny and dark and interesting. And um, anyway, I was super excited about that. And I, I thought I would read the poem. Maybe I'll read it at the very end of the episode. And then two things happen at the end of this episode. Um, Maggie's mom advises her to invest in real estate with her trust right. fund money. Right. And so the the last scene of her, she's standing outside an abandoned like movie theater, it looks like. Yeah. And with Ed's Ed. there. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they just both walked up. Like he comes up and says, good morning, Maggie. And he's like, what are we looking at? And she's like, well, Ed, I'm just looking. And then... It kind of ends, but maybe I was, I got the impression she was going to buy the theater and open it and make Ed run it, maybe. I hope so. That'd be cool. And then Walt crosses the street carrying all his luggage and oh, yeah, belongings because he's moving in with Ruthann. So Ruthann fires him from the job at the store and then asks, he's shitty at it. He sucks and he's a dick and won't listen to her and says like rude things to the customers and stuff. And then she asks him to move in with her. And, like, I couldn't give a f- less of a fuck about You hate these two old people and I their don't. little budding love story. I don't. I like Ruth Ann. I don't give a shit about Walt. He does nothing for me. I don't care. I just don't care about Walt at all. And and their storyline was just so boring. Like, I don't... Like, who gives a shit? Like, why... I mean, it's like you said, the daily life stuff, it doesn't move. Nothing changes. Nobody has any, like epiphanies as a result of any of this shit like yeah they move in together who cares like not chris is having epiphanies all over this town every fucking day every time he opens his mouth he has some epiphany he wasn't even in that i know i mean that that's the thing like and there's no marilyn there's no joel there's a little bit of ed but like it's all the worst characters it's all the characters i just didn't i don't care about really i mean maggie is fine but yeah i don't know i just didn't i didn't i was so so bored all right, so let's talk about episode 15, The Quest. Wow. You like this one better, right? Well, we went from so painfully boring to like 
what is happening kind of but i i much prefer what is happening yeah it was very strange the whole episode is very strange so the theme of this episode there were three things going on just like all of them but there was one overarching repeated sequence of events that happened multiple times in this episode someone comes and wakes someone else up in the middle of the night <laughs> it happened over and over and over <laughs> Was that supposed to be a repeated theme? I, it had to be because I don't. I they only kept remember that it. happening one time. So Joel comes and the wakes Maggie up. Very in the first thing of in the, the episode, night. he he's like pounding on her door, and wakes her up in the middle of the night and says that he found a a map a map from French settlers explorers, or explorers. Or colonizers. And it's on like it's on like a a skin like an animal skin and it's painted on. But he found it somewhere. And it's a map that shows something on an island. There's this abandoned island or deserted island that he's like, Maggie, you need to fly me out to this place. And she's like, there's nothing there. And he's like, oh, yeah, there is. It's uh, Kiwa Ani, the jeweled city of the north. And she says that's like, uh, it's like Atlantis. It's like a yep. myth. Or and the it fountain of exist. youth. It yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. And But she agrees to go with him. And so they go on this quest. So she wakes him up. Later in the episode, Maggie wakes him up when they're in a tent looking for this place. And there's Chris comes and wakes up Dr. Capra in the middle of the night. Oh, and well, I they think weren't sleeping, else. but yeah. They, uh, but they were in bed. Yeah, he shows and, up at night. Yeah. yeah. So it's a common theme. So there are three things going on in this episode. One is... Yeah, let's get the other two out of the way here. Chris has some impacted earwax. Yep. And he goes to the doctor and the doctor gets it out and he tells him like you're a real great doctor you're really you have good bedside manner and he's like the other guy Joel Dr. Fleischman was cold and clinical and just get people in and out as quickly as possible and so you he's like I really like you you're really good and then the next thing you know he gets served it's so weird he's yeah it's a him. very strange episode for Chris it's not a Chris like thing to do at all yeah so Chris's brother Bernard, who we we we're being introduced to for the first time, but he's I been think on the show he before. Might have been in another episode earlier. Chris's brother is a black lawyer in town. Yeah, they, they have, have the same dad, same dad, different mothers, but they were born on the same day, and they share dreams and stuff. I read a little bit about him. So oh, okay, yeah. So he's, he's an accountant. He works for Maurice as well, and he's a lawyer. So they sue Dr. Capra because Chris is like. Well, they claim that Chris is having like equilibrium issues yeah. and all this other shit that's related to the inner ear. So he's saying like he perforated his eardrum when he was cleaning the earwax out and et cetera, whatever. It but turns out bullshit. none of it was true at all. Yeah. And he shows up at Capra's house late at night and is like, I dropped the lawsuit. It was really about Fleischman, you know? And then he cries and says that he misses him and he was his friend. Yeah. And, and like he just he's just hurt us. that he abandoned them. But like, Fine, but none of it, none of that makes sense. What, yeah. like, it doesn't make sense that you would sue this other doctor because of those feelings. So I don't know the whole thing. But it's thing... cool because he gives him some baby bell cheese and no, says, "I'm sorry." Laughing cow. Baby. Oh, laughing cow. Isn't that yeah. the same thing? No. <laughs> okay. Laughing cow is amazing. So he gives him laughing cow cheese and says, "I'm sorry," and then he leaves and doesn't offer to pay his like legal fees or anything. <laughs> it was. Yeah, really out of character and didn't fit at all for me. Um, and then the other storyline is that Capra's wife, Michelle, 
is yeah. a journalist, and she is tasked with writing a review of The Brick, which is the restaurant that Holling and Shelley run. And so they find out, and they start acting stupid. Yeah, and they then... bring like hors d'oeuvres, and they like make specials, and all right. these things that aren't normally on the menu. And they were bad, and yeah. Michelle doesn't know what to do, so she ends up just putting their hours and like their location and no review. Yeah. So that's that story. Don't yep. care. Whatever. So to the to the one that matters, and that is the one with Joel and Maggie on the quest. A lot of this seemed it was just hard to tell what was real yeah. and what was not. Um I mean I I I guess I'm just accepting it all as real because I don't know how else to process it personally. Um, so they're, you know, they're searching for this jeweled city because Joel feels like this is a mission he has to, he just feels called to do this. Yeah. And they actually mentioned like the hero's journey and. Oh yeah. So that's the thing that ends up happening is all these things from like typical hero stories, the Odyssey or I don't know. Yeah. They bring all, up million... like King Arthur and yeah, things like that. Arthurian like, legends. Yeah, so there's all these things that come up. There's there a, are monsters and there's sirens and yeah. Right. So there's a guy who, a, a, an old Japanese soldier yeah. that they come upon who lives in a tiny, tiny little like hut out in the middle of nowhere by himself. Like, yeah, he fakes him out at first and he just re keeps repeating his name and a serial number. Oh, and yeah, they that think was that, funny. That maybe he like, like was he got abandoned left there behind 50 years ago in the war. There. Yeah. yeah, I was like, what? But then. He he speaks perfect English. Yeah. It's actually pretty funny. And he just retired there because he lost a lot of money in the Japanese yeah. real estate recession. But and he his name is Dragon. Exactly. So he represents the dragon that they would fight, right? Like in in a story like this. So they get past the dragon, right? So at first, and he gives though, them sushi. So Maggie flies him out there, but they're walking out, and Joel's explaining that he needs to do this and he needs to find this place, and. Maggie's super skeptical and Joel is the one who's like no it's real it could be real yeah. don't you want to find out if it's real she's like what has happened to you yeah. but then she's the one that realizes like his name was dragon you were right yeah, yeah. this she is gets, like a hero quest she like, gets on her... board really quick and it's really sweet like they this is a very very um this trip brings them very close together uh so yeah so that that happens and then they find this like amazing lodge yeah and it seems like like we were both like is this even real is it, or is it like a mirage like in the desert it would be a mirage i don't know what you would call it out in the snow there's probably a term for it but as far as we know it's a real lodge um, no i don't think it is i think but, it's supposed to be fake it's like the lotus eaters it's no but like where would, where would they actually be though I if don't know. That they're not there. Like I think it's just all in their heads. They're all they were lured there and they're they're drinking tropical drinks and getting like algae wraps and this is the thing. Massages. So they, this place represents like sirens. Yeah. Right? And they like don't, drawing you in and then they drowning don't know you. how many days they've been there yeah, and exactly. they don't care. But I'm choosing to look at it as real. I'm I'm looking at it as like that really happened to them. And yes, they were drawn there, and yes, this place exists to draw travelers to it to keep them from continuing on their quest. Or whatever, right? So, because, like I said, I can't process it otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah. So, they spend, they, they uh, estimate that they spend, like, maybe three days there. And then Maggie's like, wait, we have to snap out of it. We got to keep going. 
And so then they come to a bridge, of course. Um, the bridge is lost, uh, locked, and uh, <laughs> of course, this dude comes out, who I guess we've seen before. His name's Adam. We haven't, but he was in previous seasons. So That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, Adam Arkin plays him, and his name's Adam, and he showed up in Sicily before, and he was like a former CIA operative. Yeah. And but he in this, changed he says his name, his and name he... is Gustav, and he's the gatekeeper. And he, he, people have to answer a riddle. And yeah, in order to pass. So there's another guy there who who's trying to cross this bridge. I mean, to get to this bridge, as far as I can tell, you have to hike miles and miles and miles through nothingness. Yeah, and you have to fly there. It's an very, island. very, very heavy snow, rock, ice. I mean, there's nothing around. I mean, I just kept thinking, like, it would be so easy for them to just, like, freeze to death out there. Um so this guy came all this way <laughs> to try to cross the bridge, and he doesn't answer the riddle correctly. So, so he, just, he leaves. just has to leave. Yeah, uh, it's funny, but the riddle, uh, the riddle is: How do you keep the one you love? And by the way, I knew the answer essentially. The guy right says away. like chocolates and flowers and stuff. Right, the other guy, and the Adam idiot, Arkin's like, "Get out of here! Yeah, get out, you dumb dumb!" And then of course Joel gets it right. He's like, "You don't. Love is selfless. You don't keep someone if you." You it's know, not about possession. It's not and, about possession. Yeah. So the guy unlocks the gate and gives them the padlock. I don't know why. And then I think that was their last obstacle, right? Yeah, I think so. And then they, and then, oh no. Well, the last thing is Maggie wakes Joel up in the tent. They're in this tent and they have this talk about how they've been through so much together. Yeah. And she's like, had just been crying kind of. It's not really clear, but they're, they have a really good little talk and then they go to sleep. And she wakes up and he had a been realization looking, about yeah, the map. Yeah. He's been looking at the map the whole time and it was written by these French explorers. And he's been saying the names of these things that are written on there. And she had a dream that she was in France yeah, and went to a patisserie. And she's like, so it made me think of a croissant. What's the word you've been saying? It's like critiquey or something stupid. And so they draw a croissant on the map. Right, and it and then it crosses over some other little scribble on there, and they're both like they're X like, marks oh, the spot. There it is. <laughs> so they find the exact spot, so and the next day they hike miles and miles and miles again out into this little spot, and they look through the trees, and suddenly, and it's like nighttime, and then Joel starts to see glimmers of light. Yeah, it's like and through the trees they can see like a lake almost, and then well, it's water. It's like. I thought it was a cave at first. It's like but the it's ocean. Just like, yeah. And then they can see a skyline start to emerge. Right. And it's, and it's New, York, New City. York City. The jeweled city. And now this is where, even after all of that, this is where it gets weird. Because I can take all the other stuff. I was into it. I was with it. I was like, cool. What happens at this point is very, very hard to make any sense of well they have a conversation that's very convoluted about reality about the about new york and he wants to go there and she's like it's your vision it's not mine you've been talking about this since you got here he tries to get her to come with him and she says no so you know like this is okay they're not this is the end of their relationship yeah. for real and you're like, like is are they talking about when he flies back to new york city and leaves. Well, that's what you ultimately think they're talking about. Because, because she says that. She says, I've asked myself this. If he asked me to go with him. Would I go? Yeah. And she's like, now I know. Which is 
a really bittersweet moment, actually. It's really kind of, it's really sad because they've had this bonding experience and they're really close and you kind of think they're going to get back together one more time get or back something. together yeah. and they don't which i think is actually perfect and the right thing but 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 then then he just he's like well i have to do this and he kisses her and then he walks off toward the city now into the again, mist the city is on the other side of an ocean or bay or some some large body of water and he just walks off into the mist and literally disappears. Yeah. And then he's gone because at the end of the episode, what we see is that she gets a postcard from him. She gets a postcard from Staten Island, the <sighs> Staten Island Ferry, and he writes on it, New York is a state of mind. And then yeah. we see him on the Staten in Island York, Ferry yeah. in New York. Yeah. So I guess I guess he wandered into the mist and literally disappeared and reappeared in New York. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what happens in the episode. Well, right as he walks <laughs> off, too, they show Marilyn knitting at home. Oh, yeah, and Marilyn... And she stops yeah, and Marilyn. looks up, and she says goodbye. She goes goodbye. And that's it. And I was like, oh, no. So here's the thing, folks, is that this show, without Joel, there is kind of no show. Especially because they're not making Marilyn the main character. And unless they do that, I don't give a shit. So, Well, I think they were trying to replace him with Dr. Capra and Michelle, but it's just not as... That never who works. Who cares about them? Uh, yeah, we've gone... That never works in TV shows. I mean, I say we. The people who watch this show went through five and a half seasons with Joel and it being about, at least in large part, about his journey and his transformation as a person. So you can't just remove him... And try to replace him. Dr. Capra. He's he, great in some ways. He but... has none of what Joel has, though. He has none of the, like, the transformation that, that has been happening over time with Joel. It, nothing's happening with Capra. He's just whatever. I, I don't care. Because Joel is, he has a depth to him that Capra doesn't have on this show. I'm not yeah, saying, yeah. you know, as a human, he doesn't or whatever. But, um. Yeah, he's a replacement character, and it's never going to live up. They can't do the exact no. same thing, which they were trying to do a little <sighs> bit. But there's one other thing I wanted to mention that I forgot, um, and it kind of brings these whole, all three of these episodes. I'm glad we watched these three together, because in the first one, they talk, you know, it's very meta how they talk about his contract and how they illegally yeah. extended it, and that was a callback to the actual contract disputes. So in this one, when they find Adam... And he, right before he's going to ask him the riddle, he looks at Fleischman and he says, okay, quiz show boy. Yeah. Which is funny because he that. had just been gone filming the film quiz show. Right. Which we did notice. We were like, oh, quiz show. That must be like a joke about quiz show. So but they're now acknowledging it's like, oh. and winking, even though yeah. I think it was pretty contentious Contentious when he left. He wanted to leave and go do other things. I mean, things, I would think, like I said, out of his contract. It's the, I mean, he is. The show. Yeah, so so he's gone for good. Did you, Is that what you read? I don't know. We'll have to see. I think there are like six more episodes. Yeah, so my feeling... We might just watch them all and do one more episode of yeah, our podcast. That's kind of how I feel, honestly. If there's no Joel, I don't have... I don't care enough to... I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's not enough Marilyn. There's not enough Marilyn or Ed for me to care that much about what's going on. I, I mean, if Maggie and Chris 
like get together legitimately and it's cool. No way, man. That could be cool. Chris is weird. I, I love, like I, I love like Chris. Chris, but he got weird with Maggie, and then he did the whole lawsuit thing. Like he's such a weird. I really want to like I, him, but he's again, also like. They I'm not holding use that character in such weird ways. I'm not holding that. I'm not holding the lawsuit against him, Micah, because that's not Chris. That's not a Chris thing to do. That was shitty writing. That was a shitty episode. I also think that, like, when he's like harassing Maggie, that's not really a Chris. It doesn't seem like a Chris thing to do. Right. Either. That's what I'm saying. They misuse yeah. that character. But yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. Uh, but either way, we're almost done with Northern Exposure. Uh, and um, I decided to spend a whole lot of hours this weekend over the last couple of days watching The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2. Uh, and so I'm really into, you know, like mob mob movies and shit. Oh. And also like Al Pacino. And Robert De Niro. So you're thinking, and we're thinking about that the next movie we want. We're watch. thinking that we're going to do Heat next, which has is Robert De Niro also in that? Yeah, yeah. Val Kilmer, Al Pacino. Yeah, and I th- and it is like a mob thing too, yeah. right? So I'm really looking forward to that. That'll the, be fun. Uh, I think 1995's Heat, directed by Michael Mann. We'll talk about that next time, maybe. Not and, next time, but after we'll Northern do. Exposure. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, we're gonna get through this. We're we gonna finish just Northern get Exposure. This and then, yeah. All right. Yep. I thought it was a weird send-off, but I actually, it was kind of sweet. It was weird the way they did it, but it kind of fits with some other things in the show. I liked most of the episode. It was just that final moment where he literally walked out into the mist and disappeared. Yeah, and then he was And then was transported to... That was it. I mean, I don't know. Who knows, you know, what happened. But, I mean, it's kind of a bummer to me that he goes back to New York I guess I guess it is the less predictable thing to do, honestly, because you think like, oh, he's going to decide to stay. Yeah, he's just going to go live in this loves, tiny village. Yeah, but he was so happy in this tiny village. And for him to go back to New York is like kind of a bummer to me a little bit. It does seem strange because just like two episodes ago, he burned his Armani jacket and his uh, medical school diploma and a bunch of stuff i mean but that said he's going back to new york a different person he's going back a less materialistic person he's going back you know with all this new wisdom i guess but and it only took six seasons for him to like every episode address and acknowledge something about himself and then not change it at all and continue being the same person yeah yeah that's what you always say until the very end of the sixth season how much do you change micah like, how much do you change when you realize something about yourself? Do you change right away? Like, have has anything about you ever really changed? Do you know what I'm saying? No, but I'm not a character on a TV show. It's right. supposed to have I a mean, transformational arc that they just cram in at yeah, the end. I mean, okay. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's fair. I think you would have to watch the other five seasons to be able to say that, you know? Because I don't know how much he changed from the beginning because I don't remember the beginning. Um. Yeah, you know, it was funny uh, watching Joel walk off into the mist. Like, I can't believe I actually mm-hmm. didn't make this connection until right now, but that's exactly how I left the therapeutic boarding school in Montana. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I just walked. It is off. weird that you didn't... I walked off into the mist. I disappeared, and then reappeared. You know, just at college, somewhere else. Huh. So, wait. So this is a real thing that happens, and you knew. You personally experienced it, and yet you thought it was weird when... Yeah, but I forgot. A character on a TV. Oh, okay, you forgot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I obviously didn't leave that way. (laughs) That was a... 
That was a little... Oh, that was a bit. That was a little prank we pulled. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about Montana this week, except that, you know, anytime I see people camping in the snow and backpacking in the snow, it makes me think about camping in the snow in Montana. They said they were in the tent at night and they um, were just, they were in their jackets and stuff still, but they were like eating food. They didn't have gloves on or anything. And the wind is like buffeting the sides of the tent. And they said it was he said, negative yeah, 60 with the wind, with chill, the wind yeah. chill. I don't mm-hmm. know how he knew that. Well, he was guessing. Um, but if you were in a tent, a thin nylon tent, and the wind is blowing against the sides of it, would you just be sitting there with no gloves on and with your face exposed if the wind chill makes it negative 60? I know the wind has cut down a bit by the tent, but it's still going to be fucking cold, right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I'd much rather see them completely covered up, like balaclavas and gloves and, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It doesn't make for as for great TV. It's more realistic, though, and that's what I want. Yeah. Well, <laughs> again, it ends with him walking into the mist. No and problem then, with that. Just, okay. No yeah. problem with the lodge That's on the deserted island. None of that. It's yeah. fine. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Uh, as always, if you have any questions about Montana, um, please let me know or my time at the therapeutic boarding school. Let us know. You can post in our Facebook group. You can tweet at us. You can email us at info at I never saw that dot com. Yeah, we're always happy to answer questions. I'm always happy to answer questions about that. And um, yeah, do us a favor and tell a friend about this show today. Maybe, you know, get some other people listening. Uh, That'd be cool. And um, that's it. All right. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Um, We just appreciate you so much. And uh, thanks to Graham McRae for our artwork. Thank you to Fifi Folios for our internet stuff. Thanks to Minus Violet for our music. Until next time. See you in the the 90s. There are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. The Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake Labarge I cremated Sam McGee. Now Sam McGee was from Tennessee, where the cotton blooms and blows. Why he left his home in the south to roam round the pole, God only knows. He was always cold, but the land of gold seemed to hold him like a spell, though he'd often say in his homely way that he'd sooner live in hell. On a Christmas day, we were mushing our way over the Dawson Trail. Talk of your cold, through the parka's fold it stabbed like a driven nail. If our eyes we'd closed, then the lashes froze till sometimes we couldn't see. It wasn't much fun, but the only one to whimper was Sam McGee. And that very night, as we lay packed tight in our robes beneath the snow, and the dogs were fed and the stars o'erhead were dancing heel and toe, he turned to me and, Cap, says he, I'll cash in this trip, I guess. And if I do, I'm asking that you won't refuse my last request. Well, he seemed so low that I couldn't say no, then he says with a sort of moan, It's the cursed cold and it's got right hold till I'm chilled clean through to the bone. Yet taint being dead, it's my awful dread of the icy grave that pains. So I want you to swear that, foul or fair, you'll cremate my last remains. A pal's last need is a thing to heed, so I swore I would not fail. And we started on at the streak of dawn, but God, he looked ghastly pale. He crouched on the sleigh, and he raved all day of his home in Tennessee. And before nightfall, a corpse was all that was left of Sam McGee. There wasn't a breath in that land of death, and I hurried, horror-driven. 
with a corpse half-hid that I couldn't get rid because of a promise given. It was lashed to the sleigh, and it seemed to say, You may tax your brawn and brains, but you promised true, and it's up to you to cremate those last remains. Now a promise made is a debt unpaid, and the trail has its own stern code. In the days to come, though my lips were dumb, in my heart how I cursed that load. In the long, long night by the lone firelight, while the huskies round in a ring, howled out their woes to the homeless snows, oh God, how I loathed the thing. And every day that quiet clay seemed to heavy and heavier grow, and on I went, though the dogs were spent and the grub was getting low. The trail was bad, and I felt half mad, but I swore I would not give in. And I'd often sing to the hateful thing, and it hearkened with a grin. Till I came to the marge of Lake Labarge, and a derelict there lay. It was jammed in the ice, but I saw in a trice it was called the Alice May. And I looked at it, and I thought a bit, and I looked at my frozen chum. Then here, said I, with a sudden cry, is my crematorium. Some planks I tore from the cabin floor, and I lit the boiler fire. Some coal I found that was lying around, and I heaped the fuel higher. The flames just soared, and the furnace roared, such a blaze you seldom see. And I burrowed a hole in the glowing coal, and I stuffed in Sam McGee. Then I made a hike, for I didn't like to hear him sizzle so. And the heavens scowled, and the huskies howled, and the wind began to blow. It was icy cold, but the hot sweat rolled down my cheeks, and I don't know why. And the greasy smoke in an inky cloak went streaking down the sky. I do not know how long in the snow I wrestled with grisly fear, but the stars came out and they danced about ere again I ventured near. I was sick with dread, but I bravely said, I'll just take a peep inside. I guess he's cooked, and it's time I looked. Then the door I opened wide. And there sat Sam, looking cool and calm in the heart of the furnace roar, and he wore a smile you could see a mile, and he said, please close that door. It's fine in here, but I greatly fear you'll let in the cold and storm. Since I left Plum Tree down in Tennessee, it's the first time I've been warm. There are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. The Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake Labarge, I cremated Sam McGee.